Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We have an extraordinary day. Uh, the U.S. Senate moves closer to reshaping the Supreme Court for decades. Um, the president's reportedly mulling, firing his second FBI director. We're finding out about hundreds of migrant children who may never see their parents again. And of course, everybody is talking about what Rudy Giuliani was doing with his hands down his pants, because this is 2020, right? Um, and of course, we're going to get the last debate. Uh, first debate ever with an official mute button. Uh, just a quick note, if you are a member of Bulwark Plus, uh, you are invited to join us for a special free live stream immediately after the debate. Um, we're going to be joined, but well, you'll be joined by um, all of your Bulwark friends, uh, your, your Bulwark favorites, and we will break it down for for all of you um if we can if we can survive um there will be alcohol but it's strictly um bring bring your own so uh to give a preview of the debate and where we are at 12 days before the election we are joined by gop guru mike murphy how are you sir i am good charlie thank you and i'm proud to say i too am a member of bulwark plus it's worth every dime i well, encourage people to do it well, we appreciate that. So just before we started, you were saying that you were telling people that uh, at, at this point, it's, it's it's a good idea just to kind of turn off television, just take a deep breath, stop panicking over everything. Yeah, it, it is. This is kind of the Ides of campaign time where the polling margin of error is controlling the national mood. You know, it's funny, under Trump, the Republicans have become the stupid party, but the Democrats are always the neurotic party, and they're haunted by 2016. So when they have bad polls, they're incredibly depressed. When they have good polls, they're incredibly depressed because the polls can't be right. Trump has a special ram's horn he can blow. And, you know, all of a sudden, the uh, millions of people come out of the woods and fly over America and vote for, you know, they have all these, these kind of neurotic fantasies about this thing. So everybody's incredibly twitchy, uh, all based on polls that measure with some error what happened last week. You know, so I'm telling people only only look at if you have to look, only look at the Internet or with the exception, of course, of the bulwark or turn on cable news on every other day. Pick even or odd and you have a happier life for the next 12 days. Well, you probably get the same reaction that I do. You know, every time there's a new poll, you know, that, that goes out on Twitter, people just freak out. The analogy I was using with you would be like, you know, being a heart patient in the hospital and being glued to your heart monitor. And every <laughs> single time that it, you know, that it, that it jumps right, up, right. That, you know, I'm at, that, I'm at 98 now. I was at 96 two minutes right. ago. Please call, call, call the nurse. Okay. So let's, let's do a little bit of low hanging fruit yesterday. Um, president, uh, former president Barack Obama was out on the hustings and uh, really went after uh, Donald Trump. But um, I, I thought he made kind of an interesting point here. Let's play that. We know that he continues to do business with China because he's got a secret Chinese bank account. How is that possible? How is that possible? A secret Chinese bank account. Listen, can you imagine if I had had a secret Chinese bank account when I was running for re-election? You think, you, think you think Fox News might have been a little concerned about that? They would have called me Beijing Barry. Oh, yes, they would. <laughs> it is not a great idea to have a president who owes a bunch of money to people overseas. That's, that's not a good idea. I mean, of the taxes Donald Trump pays, 
he may be sending more to foreign governments than he pays in the United States. His first year in the White House, he only paid $750 in federal income tax. Listen, my first job was at a Baskin-Robbins when I was 15 years old. I think I might have paid more taxes that year working at a dispensing ice cream. How, how is that possible? How, how many people here paid less than that? So, Mike, again, this is almost too easy, but it is pretty easy to imagine what it would have been like if Barack Obama had a secret bank account in China. I mean, oh, if, if, if Obama had done one fiftieth of the things Trump had done, if he'd had a hotel where they're leaning on people to go, is it if he was charging the Secret Service hundreds of thousands of dollars at his cheesy golf clubs? I mean, the the Fox Studios would be would be totally ceramic because every day heads would explode. They'd have to hose it off at night to get ready for the next day's broadcast. I mean, we're just in a completely bizarro universe with, I mean, Obama totally makes the point. I mean, it it's helpful to step back and just focus on this stuff of how far afield Trump's actions really are. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's an easy game to do, you know, turn it around. I mean, we used to do this uh, in conservative talk radio all the time. Well, imagine if this, you know, what happened to a Republican. But, you know, his point about the, 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 the Beijing Barack, I mean, it's, it's, it would have been every hour, every day, every talk radio show. I mean, the Internet would have absolutely exploded. But as you point out, this is like one sliver of Trumpism, which is, of course, you know, worth remembering that with all of this heavy breathing uh, on, on the right about Hunter Biden and the alleged corruption out there. Obviously, if Republicans gave a shit about corruption, we'd be in a different place, right? I mean, clearly, um, not caring about corruption is kind of baked into the political cake right now. No, it, the, the the Republican elephant on the RNC flag has been replaced, the old Jack Frost logo. And, you know, the new elephant is a real estate developer taking a payoff from China. That's that's the new thing. So that's the new normal. And, you know, Fox has just gone with a few exceptions once in a while just down the whole dear leader route. You know, it's totally, it, whatever he does is great. Up is down, down is up. But, I, you know, again, if you if you look at the, the campaign for all the nervousness about polling, the fundamentals of it are pretty, pretty clear. And it's been that way for weeks and weeks, months and months. The country wants to fire Donald Trump. And that's the trajectory we're on. Yeah, let, let's talk about the polls in a little, in a little while here, but uh, let's talk about the debate. Um, this would normally be, um, one of the most consequential moments of the entire presidential campaign, but things are different. Uh, you've had a huge number of people who've already voted, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of suspense about what's going to happen tonight. Well, I suppose that there is some, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Donald Trump will uh, not pivot, that there will not be a kinder, gentle to Donald Trump, <laughs> that he will once again expose himself for who he is. That's just that's just me, a spitball in there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're going out on a crazy limb yeah, there, Charlie. Crazy. Uh, yeah, you know, Trump is the atomic clock of being Donald Trump. There's just no changing him. I know. I think, you know, uh, the dregs and the yes men there are, are going to be telling him, "Sir, we, we really loved you last week. You really taught Biden a lesson." Wow, that was. I mean, people say Churchill is good. Nothing compared to you. But this time, since they've seen that, sir, maybe we try something a little. So I think for the first three minutes, he he will try to be a little different. 
And then he'll just go to instinct because Trump is an itch scratcher. Whatever he wakes up with, sparked by what he saw on cable, uh, he has to react and he has to scratch the itch. So he wakes up every day thinking, must kill Biden. And if you watch him in the rallies, he's just cranking it up every day. You know, now the Biden family's a criminal enterprise. Biden's an alien, you know, and so he'll just he'll just keep going over the top. So the, the only loose variable to me is, does Biden change up his act a little? Um, and based on watching the last debate, I think Biden should just lock onto the camera and talk to people at home about what they get and just preempt the whole thing with a joke about Trump at the beginning, which is, you know, I know running for president was going to be hard. I didn't know I'd have to debate an orangutan here. So there's going to be a lot of noise to the side, but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do and just kind of diminish Trump, let Trump go crazy, let him fight the moderator. Uh, and as long as nothing happens of any size or scope, uh, Biden wins because he's landing the 747 now. And this is the last big moment. No, I, how do you think the mute button will work? I mean, I, I, I'm on record as saying that I, I think it's a good idea to have the mute button, but it, it's a little bit problematic, right? Because you can press the mute yeah. button, but Donald Trump will still be talking and Biden will still hear him and Kristen Welker will still hear him. So there's still a big potential for a lot of chaos and confusion. Yeah, I, I wrote the debate commission saying, what about a fire hose? And they, they never responded. But the mute button is not a bad intermediate step. So here here's a trick for the Biden debate team to wrestle with. Trump will, you know, these are cardioid mics. You're an old radio guy. You know how it works. The mics pick up what's right in front of them and they suppress everything else. Not totally, but a lot. So on on the mic, when Trump's mic is off and he's he's you know doing his antics, It'll sound like a guy kind of yelling at you across a parking garage. The voice won't be that big. But on stage, it'll be pretty big. Biden will hear it louder than people at home do. So he has to be careful not to overreact and let that tiny voice thing kind of work in his favor, the weakness of Trump's signal. That said, the mute is only when they're doing the two-minute shtick at the top of each segment. Then they flip that off, and it's still going to have the back and forth and you know all that, all the crazy. So... I think the muting is a step forward, but I don't think it'll massively change, as you say, the debate. You know, it's, it's interesting. There, there's a piece, I think it's in Politico, where um, Republican, quote unquote, operatives are expressing their frustration about the lack of message discipline, to which it's like, OK, look at the calendar. You, you know, th this is not a message problem. This is a Trump problem. Um, what did you what were you expecting was going to happen? What did you think was going to happen with this guy? Well, yeah, you know, I'm I'm tired of Republican operatives twelve days out saying, you know, we always we always told them that we really needed bigger bumper stickers. Like that's the big problem with Donald Trump um, that he wouldn't listen to their brilliant advice. Uh, I've I I never thought you know, when Trump was first elected, I thought for you know a month that yeah. I, I know from somebody who was, he met when he was thinking about running, he met with a big Republican fundraiser who I know, a bundler. And the bundler said, who ultimately to his credit didn't sign on, said, you know, some of this stuff you say, and Trump was like, oh, hell, that's just BS for the rubes. They eat that crap up. I don't believe any of it. And so I thought, all right, maybe Trump will do a pivot from P.T. Barnum to a little more grown up because he'll be intimidated by the office and it'll be normalcy with a big orange wig on it. Uh, that didn't happen. And so from that point on, I've always thought Trump is all about self-indulgence. Trump will do what Trump wants to. He's an insecure guy. He's a weak guy. And so I've never believed that like the campaign, you know, you always get the same narrative in the elite media. They want to cultivate, 
campaign sources. So this savvy Trump campaign of highly brilliant operatives of Facebook genius, Brad Parscale, they're, they've got a plan they can, you know, and because they're just talking to them. Uh, there's, there's no staff of any consequence. They're just note takers for Trump doing whatever he wants. So I never believed there'd be a rational Trump campaign. There wasn't one in 16 and there hasn't been one now. I wouldn't even say he's got a campaign. He's got kind of a, a therapy device. Get me a rally for screaming people. Uh, and I'll just get up there and do my cheap Alan King impersonation and, and be a bad stand up for a while. Not that King was bad, but Trump is. And uh, and indulge myself, and fundamentally, the campaign has been that feast for Trump ever since. It it, it has seemed to devolve into that sort of self care. Is a good piece uh, in the Washington Post about uh, about that, and and you can see this in some of the numbers, the amount of money that they've spent on television just in the Washington D.C. market, because that's what Donald Trump wants. So it's crazy. Um, yep. he, he wants who wants to feel good about him himself. Um, now you've been in winning campaigns, and you've been in losing campaigns uh, a week and a half out. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, I think it was John Harris and somebody else I should have it in front of me in Politico said, you know, to a certain extent, the media has cut Trump a break because normally at this point in the campaign, you'd have the stench of death stories narrative. Right, right. And every story would be framed like, uh, well, here's flailing or here's a losing campaign. But because everybody has PTSD because of uh, 2016, they're kind of sparing him that. But but what, what, what do you think is going on internally in this campaign? Because especially with all of the early voting that we are so close, the polls have been so stable, you kind of know what's going to happen, right? I mean, or have they deluded themselves? Are, are there people in this? I mean, I assume that there are people who you know live in the Trumpian bubble who think that he's actually doing well. But what's it like being in a campaign with that stench yeah. of death on it? Well, that that is a great. I mean, everything is a little bit different with Trump. But normally, what's happening is you you know it's bad, and you're killing the days. And just to not lose your mind, there's kind of a daily theory of the brilliant counterattack. You know, the Steiner division is going to come save us. But you know, uh, and and what's happening in the Trump campaign is a version of that. But I think there are more kind of nitwit Trump acolyte, acolyte. Remember, most of the Trump staff couldn't get a job in a regular campaign. Right. So then you've got Jason like Moore. RNC technocrats, you know, who are who are just kind of, well, the voter program in North Carolina is looking good. We got an extra 50,000 phone calls. You know, they're desperate to move a colored pin on a map somewhere to think it's having an impact. But the main thing they're dealing with, and the po- there's an AP story on this. The Post now has a great story. New York Times, excuse me. I, I think the Post does too which is they're broke. They're broke. They went through a billion dollars with this lifestyle, the rich and famous stuff before the convention. They did, they blew a lot of money on Facebook. This is kind of an ironic aspect. So they, they Parscale and Kushner, who's really the, the quote unquote brains of all this, uh, went out and blew a billion dollars, both on ridiculous overhead, stupid vanity television ads early and massive Facebook advertising, not to sway voters, but to create more low dollar donors. So that's 800 million out the window before the convention that allowed Biden in September to take control of the race with more spending. Now, there was a lot of bedwetting on the Democratic side. Um, including a big article in the New York Times by my pal and podcast partner, Axelrod and David Plouffe, terrified about this Facebook spending, think, thinking that the Republicans were shrewd and ahead on digital. Well, it turned out it was all just prospecting for donors, and it was mostly blown money. So now Bill Stepien, who's the current manager, I think is spending about, and he's a technocrat, a third of his day wondering if the rumors are true that he's about to get fired in the great <laughs> tradition of Trump campaign managers for Katie Walsh, 
is an RNC official, worked for Reince Priebus, and is at the Trump super PAC, could be coming in any minute to ice him. Uh, and the rest of the time is trying to cut spending and and move what's left of the – they're basically sending out the Cub Scouts to defend the bunker. I mean, the one state they're making a stand in Florida, they're cannibalizing all their other states to try to defend there, which is a, you know about a three-point race. And we're, of course, very active there of Arvat and Orange Crush, uh, which I'm working on. And I'm telling you – and they're putting up a good fight in Florida – but they've had to asset strip the rest of the campaign to do that. So step in and those the people at the top are worried about Trump's daily whim, um, you know, and and trying to squeeze out a few dollars as they're being blown away on television in much in, in many places to try to make a last stand. So it, it's grim. It, it's Stalingrad. Yeah, they are being blown away on television, three to one. The, the, the depth of the of the Biden buy is, is really extraordinary where they're able to go all over the country um, while everything's focusing on, 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 on Florida. So give me your sense about the, the, the Biden campaign. Have they been spending the money well? Have they been? Yeah, no, I think Biden's running, running a good campaign. You know, Biden has been lucky, too. Very One of the reasons Biden didn't blow a lot of early money like the Trump campaign did is Biden didn't have any money to blow. That's the great discipline enforcer. If Biden had a billion in the bank, they might have said, hell, we got to keep up with Trump, you know? So all, all these campaigns, sometimes it's just luck of circumstance. So Biden's money surged in late, which was just when he needed it. And to their great credit, General Malley Dillon and uh, and Donilon and and uh, and Anzalone and the team over there, they they've spent it late and smart, and they're able to widen up. They can go into Ohio, which they might be able to steal from Trump, which would be tremendous, amazing uh, for Biden, because you know Ohio, like Florida, reports the absentee in real counts them in real time, so you won't have the four day delay there. And if either of those states mm-hmm. go for Biden, it's almost certainly over. So the only mistake I think Biden's made is they've let Trump hold too much of an advantage on the economy. That's the one issue where people say Trump is better than Biden, and traditionally it's the most important issue in a campaign. So that's the thread that's holding Trump up in the swing states, and I think they could have spent more time on that, tightening it up a little bit. They're never going to beat Trump on that, but they could have closed the gap a little more. But all in all, I think they've done great, and they've had the money, which really helps you do great. Because, you know, the great example was September, where Trump in a smart world would have tried to regain the agenda of the campaign and cap it off with a great debate on September 29th. Instead, the Biden guys were able to blow Trump away on television, show a lot more message discipline, and then Trump basically put a grenade in his mouth at the debate. So that part of the calendar, which was vital for Trump to reclock and turn it all around, went away, money being part of it. And, and now we're just watching the thing fade. I mean, in some of the swing states, it's tighter, you know, Arizona, North yeah. Carolina, Florida. But there, there's no state Biden has to have or else Trump wins that Biden's in trouble, in real trouble. There's some that are competitive. But Biden is basically playing his whole game in, in Trump's end zone, which has been really good for Biden. Well, that yeah, Trump's on defense everywhere. Um, Iowa, he won by nine points. Uh, that's even Texas. The fact that Texas yeah, is in play, yeah. you, you can be a skeptic about whether or not he's got a chance to really win Texas. But the fact that we're even talking about it, the fact that we're talking about Georgia, gives you gives you a sense of where we're at in this campaign. I mean that that that's the you know. Uh, you know, again, going back to this whole closing argument, it, it is amazing to me. <laughs> Maybe I'm overusing that word. That here we are, two weeks out from the campaign, and we can make a short list of of what the president is spending his time doing. He picks a fight with with Anthony Fauci. He picks a fight with Leslie Stahl. He is tweeting <laughs> obsessively about a, a sixty minutes interview 
that he was very, very unhappy about. And he's done in North Carolina, basically acting like he's a bored teenager about the coronavirus. All you hear about is COVID, 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 COVID. <laughs> well, excuse me, we're in the midst of this third huge spike. And the majority of Americans are going, Mr. President, are you going to take this seriously or not? And he's going out of his way, basically to say, hey, we're living with it. It's going to be okay. Herd immunity, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, no. It, the big closing move uh, on Tuesdays is going to attack Jesus. That's going to be the crescendo of the campaign after he tries to milk the Fauci thing a little longer. Yeah, again, you know, it is, and 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 this is a family podcast, but it's in the news these days. Trump is running a very masturbatory campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about kind of his own weird pleasure and the bubble his head is in. And it's not connected to strategy. It's not connected to what's really going on. He's just He's just doing whatever he feels at the moment. And he is essentially a sulking teenager. So that's not going to get him out of the hole he's in. Now, Biden has to get through this debate. If Biden turns and starts talking to Teddy Roosevelt, who we imagine standing next to him, you know, it could be trouble. Biden could hurt himself. But as long as this thing is kind of a replay of last time or even a slightly more grown-up version of that, another day goes by with, with Biden's big 747 getting another 100 feet closer to the runway. No, and he, you know, I mean, clearly, given the double-digit lead or the close, you know, nine, ten-point lead nationally, a, a, a draw is is a big win for for Joe Biden. He would he would have to lose rather spectacularly. I just think it's it's really interesting watching a pro-Trump Twitter, social media, you know, the things that they are fixating on, uh, including their obsession with the number of lids called by Joe Biden. Um, trust me, nobody cares about all that. And, and frankly, the lower profile he is we, you know, let's, let's Donald Trump have the stage and, and self-immolate. Um, right, exactly. let's, let's, this, this last minute you were saying that in the, in the final days, you're, you're looking for this, this last killer message. They are absolutely all in on the Hunter Biden story. If you're a voter and you do not obsessively watch Fox news, isn't part of you going, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> no, totally. Hunter is a ceiling fan company. You know, it's like earlier, Bob Woodward. Well, that's that's basically a north-south avenue in the suburbs of Detroit, where I'm from. So it, the idea that it's going to break through, I, I, here's what I think is probably happening. In the, in the Trump Yes Man universe, there's a clip from CBS where Biden is at a plane about after a long campaign day and a CBS reporter says, hey, what about the New York Post story on Hunter? And, you know, and Biden pops off at him, gets mad, you know, basically, yeah, you right. like to print that crap. You know, it's, it's hard to hear because of the sound, but it's there. We were talking about it on Hacks mm-hmm. on Tap. The Trump guys are watching that on a loop with Trump saying, see, see, get him to pop, get him to pop. So I think Trump will be like a... a, a three a three note guitar song or three chord song going on and on and on it'll be hunter 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 criminal you know ukraine confusing crap like that it'll be you're going to raise taxes and you know turn everything and and tifa is going to be moving into the white house uh, with aoc and and karl marx and then the last thing will be here's all the great stuff i've done why don't you love me america and it'll just be a repeat of that with a lot of the hunter ukraine stuff to try to uh, try to blow him up, but as you, you know, Arthur Finkelstein, the the late great uh, maniacal yet brilliant Republican strategist, who a million years ago taught me polling, he used to always say an Afghan. Most people think an Afghan is a cat. If they went to college, they think it's a rug. <laughs> and you know, there's some truth to that. So again, if 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 Trump froths at the mouth about some guy named Hunter. 
uh, for 40 minutes. Uh, and Biden keeps his cool, which is where Biden has to earn his his you know outcome. Uh, it'll mean nothing important in the campaign. It'll just feed Trump's 44% that like to have a theory of the case every few days to recharge their Trump love. But as we know, that's a losing hand. You don't win with 43, 44, 45. Okay, so let's let's talk about the, the, these polls, what they're showing. And we, there, there's a whole bunch of them, but I'm, I'm looking right now at the Fox News poll, battleground polls. Michigan, Biden up by 12, 52, 40. Um, Pennsylvania, uh, Biden up by five, 50, 45. Wisconsin, Biden up by five, 49, 44. Trailing in Ohio, 45, 48. But you get you get the sense of where the race is going, because I always think of Michigan, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin as being very, very, very similar. And you can see these trends and in the mm-hmm. the erosion of that that base, that demographic base that that he had and you kind of this this just gives me an indication of where the race is going look there is the margin of error um there are polling errors but it's interesting that everybody always assumes that the error is going to be in trump's favor not in biden's favor right because the 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 margin (laughs) goes either way right 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 it's on both numbers and it's hard to conduct bowling late um and in the modern era pollsters have to on a telephone poll uh with a live operator they have to call well over 100 people to get one complete Really? And so uh, the, the polls, when they rush them out and when publishers buy them and publishers are cheap, the pollsters have to take shortcuts because they don't have the money to do it right. And it's hard to do it really fast. So they start to basically take a poll where they don't have a representative sample and they try mathematical weighting tricks to make it that. So big grain of salt. What, one good way to look at it is Trump's number is harder than Biden's number. People have firmer opinions about Trump than they do about Biden, which is natural when you're the incumbent president running for re-election. You're the famous guy, double so with Trump. And Trump has a hell of a time breaking out of that mid-40s, and that's been true for four years. So the loose vote that's flopping around there and undecided that may not vote uh, has already made a decision not to be for Trump, and that's kind of that's kind of held forever. So I think, um, you know, Biden, and we've modeled this in Florida, we've got a three-point poll there, but when we take the undecideds and look actually into their voter history as people, even though they won't tell us who they're voting for, it's pretty obvious they're going to break for Biden. So um, I think uh, I, I think that Trump number is more locked in than the Biden number. So if I were Trump looking at a lot of 45s, even if it's like, hey, Biden's at only one point ahead of 46, that 45 may not go much higher. Yeah, it, it, it seems to be 44, 44, 44, 44, and we're going to be amazed on election night if it turns out to be 44%. So t- talking yeah. about Florida, you've obviously been been paying a lot of attention to Florida. There was some buzz that that uh, there was some weakness among Hispanic voters for for Biden. Um, just give me your, your sense of the state of play in Florida right now. It's very close, like Florida always is. People forget out of about 10 million votes, uh, um, Obama only beat Romney by 74,000 and Trump only won by 114. So a two point uh, race there is a landslide. Uh, I think Biden has the edge. I think if the election were held tomorrow, Biden would win. Biden does have a Miami Dade problem, uh, particularly with older Cubans uh, because of uh, um, the Obama Cuba deal and some things like mm-hmm. that. But the campaign's working on it at our Vat Orange Crush. We're working on it. And the numbers have been improving. And in the rest of the state, again, it's tight. And that's the state where Trump is defunding the Michigans of the world to put up a defense with television and everything. But uh, I, I'd much rather be Biden right now than Trump, though it's tight. 
So I, I see this morning that Michael Bloomberg cut a check for a half million dollars to Arvat. Yes, for, he's one of our Florida donors to Orange Crush. Absolutely. And our listeners can join him. You can at cocktail parties say, well, Bloomberg and I put a little money together for Florida. Um, but yeah, yeah, they're they're a donor and uh, we appreciate their support. And we've uh, we've been in contact with them because they're doing a wonderful and strong campaign down in Florida, too. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the big questions. What would Mike Bloomberg do with his money? And he, he it, it, at least based on what I've heard, um, he's kind of all in on Florida. So it, it is interesting that both both parties are focused on Florida. And part of that, I think, is, look, I mean, obviously the math is there, but but it's also psychological because you know that if at 930 on election night, Biden has won Florida, it's over. Right. And Florida will right. report quickly because right. they start counting the absentee ballots now as they come in. So none of this week long wait. And no Republicans won without winning Florida for 96 years. So if one in the morning on Election Day, Florida's done, the five day delay in uh, in uh, Wisconsin is no big deal. Uh, so, um, Mike Murphy, thank you so much for joining me on the Bulwark podcast today. We appreciate it very, very much. Thank you, Charlie. Always great to do this. All I'll right. talk to you soon. And thank you for listening to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back tomorrow, and we will do this all over again. There are 12 days to go.